I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back, Radical Optimists. It's Colin Pertree here, your host on the Future Positive Podcast, a podcast from XPRIZE that aims to bring you the most future-forward topics from the world's brightest minds. If you're new to Future Positive, in each episode, you'll hear from world leaders, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are paving the way for innovation on and off this planet we call home. How can avatars allow us to use our senses at a remote location in real time? Will we ever be able to smell and taste remotely? For this week's Future Positive podcast, Amelia Abraham speaks with Dr. Jackie Mori, scientist, artist, educator, and senior advisor on the ANA Avatar X Prize to answer these questions and more. Then, four of the semifinalist teams competing in the ANA Avatar X Prize take you through their approaches to creating robotic avatars that convey a sense of presence and human connection in the most remote of locations. So put the volume up, your avatar awaits. Hi, Jackie. Thank you for being with us today on Future Positive. First of all, could you introduce yourself for our listeners, please? Sure. My name is Jackie Mori, and I've been working with the ANA Avatar X Prize for three years now as a consultant. My background is in digital avatar use, which has been able to translate pretty well into the physical robotic avatar realm. Amazing. What do you mean when you say digital avatar use exactly? Many of us interact with things on the internet through what we would call a digital avatar. This is a representation of us maybe as a graphic icon or a full 3D articulated character that we could go into things like virtual reality or games, our game worlds, with that representation of an avatar. Sometimes we even have ways that we can personalize that avatar so that it more reflects who we are in that particular game or space. Right. And now you're working, as you said, um, advising on ANA Avatar X Prize. Could you perhaps also explain what the difference between this type of avatar is from that type of avatar? What does the avatar of the future look like? And what is the focus of the prize? Digital avatars are so useful and very important. Uh, some kids have grown up using digital avatars almost all their lives. And so they are a generation that's used to being an avatar in their experiences. The one thing that a digital avatar does not give you is that feeling of uh, physicality, the sense that there is a, a 
physical being right there with you. And with that comes things like the sense of touch. Um, that's not something we can get in a digital avatar that's made of pixels. But with robotic avatars, we can start to add that physicality. And that just opens up new worlds of interaction that we can have with our avatars. So from digital to physical, we've got a lot more to work with. And what are the kind of applications of a physical avatar? Certainly a physical avatar allows the operator to pick up things, move things. So that might be really important for disaster relief. I could send my avatar in and operate it to uh, look under debris for, for missing people. I could move things around when uh, certain aspects of a space need to be changed. I maybe maybe there are interior decorator avatars in the future where I can go to a space and decorate that space physically even though I'm in another location. The most important part of the physicality though really involves that interaction between humans. So we miss a lot in our digital world. We miss that sense of touch. We miss in this last year especially, the ability to hug someone, which is so important to how we view each other and how we relate to each other. This is where physical robotic avatars can give us so much more. We are at very early stages, of course, so these things still look a little sci-fi, they're you know metallic, they've got a lot of gears and things. But in the future, we'll be able to have those robots look much more human and really be something that can represent the person who's operating them. So we're at the, we're at the beginning stages of a whole new industry, I think, where physical aspects of an avatar are going to factor into a much richer experience. Right. And I wanted to ask you, where are we at right now when it comes to the senses that avatars can replicate? Certainly what we would like avatars to become is a means for someone to have all of their sensory apparatus in another location. Now, what can we do today if we're building a physical robotic avatar and trying to get that sensory aspect into it. So you have an operator on one end who has teleported their senses into the avatar. Now, things like sound, we should be able to get the voice of the operator through pretty well so that someone at the other end really understands what's being said. Coming back, the person at the other end should be able to talk to the avatar such that the sound they're doing, the words they're saying, comes back to the operator very understandably. So that one seems pretty simple, the sound. Then we have vision. So the operator needs to see through the avatar's eyes. And that can be just a simple pass-through where we're seeing through a video camera, or it can be stereo so that you can have a spatial sense, or it could be something that gives you a, a broader field of view, like 180 degrees, or something that gives you more sensory awareness of the spatial qualities of the remote location. So that's a little trickier than sound, you know, and of course, sound could also have the um, spatialized components so that if the person at the other end whispers in your ear, you might hear it really well. 
I don't think we are having too many teams right now that are doing that spatialized component, but that's going to add a lot in the future as this technology develops. Now, when we get to the other senses, they get to be a little trickier. They're more of a research issue. So certainly haptics is something that we've been promoting in this competition. We would like the avatars to get that sense of touch back to the person who's operating them. In, in our you know, wild dreams, it's you can hug your grandmother and feel the hug coming back to you through the sensory apparatus of the robotic avatar. But there are, there are so many ways to do touch in robotics and, and, and just in general. Haptics is not one kind of thing. The touch on our hand, on the surface of our hand, is very different than someone hugging you. Uh, somebody poking you in the back is going to be a very different sensation than someone stroking your arm. So there are many kinds of haptics, and each of them right now require a different mechanism to convey that from one place to another through the avatar. So this is what we're really excited to see from the teams. We're excited to see how they incorporate different haptics mechanisms into their avatars. And we're at the start, you know, we're at the very beginnings of this. So it's going to be an exciting uh, show of what's possible at this stage in time. I would imagine with haptics, there's constant development happening, right? Because you can see why this technology is so important avatars but also you know in the way that we're using things like mobile phones and our devices and I imagine also for people living with disabilities haptics are really important part of um, building prosthetics so do you do you think that's an area that's accelerating very quickly and are the teams looking in those other areas? The idea of haptics and touch which is so important to us as human beings is critical to the believability and the functionality of the of the avatars. Now, that being said, there are so many kinds of haptics that, you know, do I want uh, the kind of haptics that allows me to poke somebody or to hug somebody or to, to stroke their face or to uh, let them feel the warmth of my body? So there's all of these different things. The touch of your skin is very um, high resolution, if you will. So if, if uh, I wanted to feel the texture of something, like say someone saying, look at how soft this sweater is, and my avatar robot touches that soft sweater, what am I feeling as the person who's avatared into that robot? And that all of these things are research at this point in time. What we've really got is the vibrotactile down, and, and that can come through your phone. So when your phone buzzes, you know, it's a haptic sensation. And we, we all get that. It's uh, pay attention to me or uh, some other aspect that just that vibrotactile sensation can, can do. Um, so haptics is many things, and some things are further along than others but all of it's being worked on and it's a very hot research topic today. What about um, tastes and what about smell? Those senses are 
uh, kind of based on chemical signatures, so they're not as easy to digitize as things like vision or sound or even haptics. So they're not as far along in terms of being able to pass through something like a, a digital or a robotic avatar. Smell is getting there. Uh, smell, we kind of know how uh, we can create fragrances or odors or smells. Uh, there's a lot of research into creating it. There is no RGB of smell like there is for uh, computer graphics, say, you know, where you have red, blue, and green, and you can make all colors with that. Um, we can recognize thousands of different smells, and each one of those has a unique molecular signature. So it's not like we can just store a few components and make anything out of them. But that being said, uh, we can display scent, we can release scent so that someone can get the aroma of a space or another human being. We can also collect the signature of the smell of a place with something uh, that is usually called a headspace machine. So it's a way to collect the molecules in a space and to then uh, analyze them in a lab and see what components there are and then recreate it. Now that's not instant, unfortunately. So it's not like we can do it right away when we're using an avatar. But it's coming along and it's, uh, it's something that uh, I'm looking forward to especially because scent adds so much to the um, experience when you're with someone or you're in a place or say you're going through a dusty museum and you want that smell of age. So scent is uh, one of my favorite things for how we are going to experience these kinds of remote situations in the future. Taste is a bit harder. Taste, you know, you've got to have the sensors in your tongue come in contact with something, at least as we understand it today. And there have been some um, experiments where people have done this, where things, uh, when you bite down, something squirts into your mouth or uh, some other things that are coupled with smells so that something that is more of a neutral thing that's in your mouth takes on a different meaning because of the smell associated with it. There's also a little bit of research into how we can stimulate the brain itself to recreate things like taste in our mouth so that our brain understands that we're tasting something even if we haven't put a physical component into the mouth. Because it's a chemical sense though, it's really hard to, to again, digitize taste and it's going to be a while. That may be the final thing that we have to overcome in the future to have a fully sensory avatar being. Amazing. Thank you. That's fascinating. And you've kind of hinted at some of the reasons why we might want to develop this technology. For instance, you mentioned a museum and kind of conjuring a sense of place. I wondered if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Like, Why would we want to develop these technologies or how could it benefit us? One of the areas that we see these robotic avatars used for is cultural exchange. So right now you can't just go to Egypt and, and go into the pyramid and feel what it's like to be inside that space. But if we 
allowed an avatar that had fully sensory capabilities or full sensory capabilities to go in there, we could imagine that we were there because we'd be smelling it and we'd be feeling the atmosphere. The other part of um, why I think these senses are important for the future is we're not going to be wanting to settle for a partial experience. Right now, we're all on Zoom, and we understand that that's not a full experience. We can't look each other in the eye. We can't uh, kind of get a sense of, of what that other person is doing, especially if they've turned off their camera. But in the future, your avatars will be able to bring back much more of what it means to be human, all of our senses. I think it's a few years off, and there's certainly a lot of research to do. But especially for travel, imagine you want to have the feeling of sand between your toes if you're on a beach, and you want to smell the perfume of the flowers in the air. You want to feel that warm breeze on your skin. So if I'm going to choose between an experience that allows me that and one that is a video window into some space, I'm going to pick the more full sensory experience. And my final question is, how far away are we from a world where avatars can smell and taste for us? I think that one is a bit farther out. I certainly would like to see the smell incorporated in the next 10 years. Uh, it may have some research issues that keep it from being widely distributed, but I think we can get there. Taste, I think, is maybe a little further out and might need some brain hacking, and I don't think we're going to see that in my lifetime. But if we had smell, I'd be happy. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jackie. That was Dr. Jackie Mori. Now we'll hear from some of the teams competing in the ANA Avatar X Prize. First up, Tony Prescott, Director of Research at CyberSelves. This is Tony Prescott. I'm the Director of Research for CyberSelves, who are based in Sheffield in the United Kingdom. Besides being a Director and Co-Founder of CyberSelves, I'm also a Professor of Cognitive Robotics at the University of Sheffield. CyberSelves is at heart a cloud robotics and robot middleware company. Our goal is to make robots easier to use and more human-friendly, and uh, part of that is to provide the same interface to many different robot platforms. So from the outset, we've been thinking about how we can build an application that can be deployed with different cameras or different sound systems or with different form of haptic interface uh, and present that in a similar way uh, to, to the user, independent of the platform that they're actually deploying. So we also have a strong emphasis on the user experience. Uh, my background beside robotics includes uh, psychology and neuroscience. So uh, we've looked a lot at how the human brain and the human sensory systems adapt to the experience of telepresence. And we use virtual reality interfaces to try and make that experience as intuitive uh, and as immersive as possible. We're look, looking at lots of applications for uh, telepresence, for remote operation of robots. And these are areas where people are very keen to deploy robots, uh, perhaps because the environment is hard to access or is particularly dangerous. So we're working with people that are looking at, for example, nuclear decommissioning 
handling nuclear waste, also looking at deep sea operations with robots, defusing landmines. And these are very different kinds of robots that we might have in those settings. So the challenge is to provide an interface that works whether you're controlling a robot submarine or a robot arm in hand. So neuroscience shows us that our brains are extremely good at adapting to different bodies. So if we can provide the right kinds of sensory signals and control opportunities, then human beings can quickly adapt to control all sorts of robotic devices that may not be entirely human-like. So presence, which is the experience of feeling that you're there in the robot, that the robot body is your body, happens when there is this tight coupling between action and the sensory feedback that you receive. And that has a lot to do with the expectations you have about the experiences that will happen as a consequence of action. And your understanding, your sort of natural understanding or naive understanding of the physics of the world. So for example, if you move a robot arm and it bashes into a wall and you don't get uh, immediate feedback uh, about that collision, then you will have a reduced feeling of presence. You will, uh, if you like, the illusion of being embodied in the robot uh, will feel much weaker. So we have to make sure uh, more than uh, having high resolution that there is this tight coupling so that uh, action has the right kinds of sensory consequences. The French philosopher Maurice Merleau-Ponty, writing in the first half of the 20th century, said, my body is wherever there is something to be done. And that was a really prescient thought that really captures what we're trying to do uh, with telepresence and teleoperation. So if you can be immersed in the robot body, there is something to be done. And there's that right linkage between the actions that you take and the sensory experience that you get back. So you feel like you're doing work, then you have the feeling of being the robot. So it's unlikely that we're ever going to be able to create a uh, robot avatar that can precisely give us a human-like sensory experience. And for that reason, we should really think about using the sorts of sensing that robots can provide that humans don't already have, but then mapping it into uh, our human senses. So for example, active range sensors like LiDAR, perhaps we could deploy that and convert it into a sensory modality like vision or hearing to give us a super distant sense. Similarly, we don't necessarily have to limit ourselves to having eyes inside our heads or inside the robot head. Perhaps we can have a camera on the hand and we can uh, adjust our vision to be able to see the, the point of view from where the hand is. It may take longer to get to be able to control such a robot, but the possibilities of how we might be able to use it are only just beginning to be explored. That was Tony Prescott. Next up is Dr. Zaki Hussein, founder and CEO of TouchLab. My name is Zaki Hussein, and I'm the TouchLab team leader. Uh, TouchLab is a team based in Edinburgh, Scotland, which is in the United Kingdom. And we make electronic skin for robots to give them a human like sense of touch, which has so far been largely lacking in robotics. Uh, th this means that most robots today are not nimble uh, and are clumsy, as well as being dangerous for humans to work around and difficult for humans to actually control or teleoperate. 
uh, we believe that adding a whole body sense of touch, not only to the fingertips and the palm of the robot, but also to the rest of the robot body uh, and transferring that to the whole uh, human body will add the sense of touch and make a truly immersive um, user experience for the operator of this robot. It's very important to be able to convey the sense of Vine and Avatar because uh, at the moment we don't truly feel present uh, while communicating via the internet. Um, I think most people have experienced this during COVID, uh, but um, being in a Zoom call is actually quite tiring. Uh, just using audio um, and video to communicate doesn't feel natural uh, and it's actually quite stressful. A lot of people have been complaining about Zoom burnout, for example, uh, during the pandemic. Um, in order to, to truly feel at ease in an environment and make it feel natural, we will need to communicate as many senses to a human as, uh, as possible in an accurate manner. So being present may mean different things to different people, but um, I think we're quite, uh, you know, technology has been quite far away from actually enabling people to feel overall present in an environment. There's a reason we still want to take flights to go on holiday, um, <laughs> that we want to go and visit our loved ones and actually spend time with them. Uh, having, having a video link call just doesn't feel the same and it doesn't forge the same human connection. This might be an aspect of human biology uh, that, we, that we need a true sense of presence to feel connected. Um, but it's, you know, it's been shown in many, many studies that uh, feeling present and connected to the right people is actually very important for our own health. Um, it reduces mortality um, and it increases happiness on the whole while decreasing levels of depression, for example, that are often associated with a lack of presence and lack of feeling connected to the right people. If I had a super sense, um, I think in, in my particular case, I like the idea of hearing audio beyond the, uh, beyond the range that we currently do and seeing, seeing parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that we don't, for example, infrared vision or X-ray vision, uh, terahertz sensing can accomplish something quite similar to X-ray vision, for example. Um, but I, I do also think that feeling things that you don't usually feel is, is quite an interesting um, superpower. So there, there are there are particular um, particular animals. Let's say spiders, for example, that can feel very uh, high frequency or low amplitude vibrations um, and can actually feel predators approaching. Uh, from quite far away, uh, just through the sense of touch alone, and that's something that we humans don't don't have. So if we could add that uh, to our capabilities, um, we could effectively almost metamorphose into some of <laughs> some of these animals. Um, I think also, you know, one thing that we're trying to do with our electronic skin is add a uh, some sort of superhuman capabilities to our avatar. Um, a big one is being able to measure heart health related parameters through touch alone. So in addition to being, for example, able to shake hands and squeeze a hand firmly at the right pressure, because you can feel the pressure of the hand as you would if you, if you were in your own human body. Um, one thing that humans can't do is actually 
measure the data that they're feeling. So you can feel a pulse, but it's qualitative. Whereas with the avatar, you can feel a pulse, but you can also measure its pressure and the waveform characteristics to tell, uh, to basically be able to tell whether the person has uh, a certain type of heart disease or heart block. Um, so this is obviously a superhuman type sense. And if you could hug a person and actually extract vital parameters, uh, maybe you know, tell things about a person you couldn't before just through a hug, uh, this, would, this would be a sort of a, a superhuman sense. Um, one of the other superhuman senses you could get, uh, I meant you, you could get is this this, this uh, sort of vibration sensing. Um, so if you think about an electronic skin that senses high frequency vibrations, it's very similar to a microphone. And if you had a very sensitive electronic skin, um, you could sense the audio, you could pick up the audio all around you. So effectively, you could have a an audio map. The amount of microphones within the skin would far exceed uh, the amount that we can currently integrate uh, into uh, into most existing uh, sensors. Um, and some people may know that you can use multiple audio microphones to triangulate where the audio is coming from. So imagine having a super sense of hearing through a, a sense of touch. This could be quite an interesting application. Zaki Hussein there. And now we have Igor Kovrigin from Dragon Tree Labs. Hello, this is Igor from Dragon Tree Labs team here. Our team is based in Russia and the team members are located in Moscow and St. Petersburg. We are happy to be part of XPRIZE on Avatar uh, competition and um, you know, present our vision about the system and uh, the presence concepts. Uh, today, our avatar named Johnny is equipped to transfer vision, voice, and sounds, giving the operator the ability to immerse into remote environment. Uh, we allow operator to interact with the surroundings with two hands, manipulators, uh, while giving different grasping capability to each hand. Clearly, haptics technology requires much more work uh, at this stage, both on reading sensor information, transferring it correctly to the operator, and of course, interface part of it, meaning the way to deliver the signal to human sensors. Now, people already used to put uh, VR, VR headsets on. Uh, HMDs become much lighter, have better FPS sounds quality. So we rely on, the, on existing VR tech uh, integrated and make things uh, work smoothly. At the same time, haptics tech still requires lots of developments and XPRIZE on Avatar competition helps to advance this technology. Uh, while working on our Avatar system, we put lots of efforts on human-robot interaction, trying to make it frictionless. So today, our Avatar system allows users to look around by simple turn of their head, as natural as we humans are used to do it. Even if the object placed behind the Avatar, the operator can naturally turn his head and uh, you know, body to see what's behind and avatar body will be repeating these type of actions. At first, avatar head with two cameras um, uh, starts turning and when it reaches a certain angle to the left or right, then avatar's body starts you know, turning, giving you the option to see what's behind you uh, in, in the remote environment. In our work, uh, we try to minimize the number of unnatural actions 
like pressing buttons or you know moving some some buttons somewhere for control of the system interaction with any device requires certain skills from people in order to design a robot that can be helpful and user friendly to pretty much any customer our mind needs to forget that we interact uh, with or through robots but our brain must believe that communication is done with real person on the other end uh, so immersion is really important aspect here we need to deliver similar familiar signals to our perception system and this is how immersion can be achieved uh, we think about presence in several ways on the one hand human presence in a nutshell is when you feel relaxed while digesting and interacting with the surrounding it's it's a feeling when all humans perception systems absorb signals and a person can adequately adequately react to the actions this is what today vr tech is trying uh, to achieve and in some cases it does really well um, you know immersing people into remote uh, locations like islands or museums giving them the feeling uh, of, of, of what they can see uh, on the other hand presence means much more than just believing you are in a certain place for us it's much wider concept of expanded impact uh, ability to observe and impact things that you could never impact before and this becomes possible because of avatars you can coexist simultaneously in separate skins this is what avatar tech uh, gives in addition uh, to what we are capable of doing today. That was Egor Kovrigin. And finally, we'll hear from Kate DeWald from Forged Droids. Hey there, uh, this is Kate with Forged Droids. We're located in Tempe, Arizona. One of the things with the vision, sound, and haptics that we're doing in our system is we're going to be handling a 360-degree uh, microphone for the audio. Um, it's going to be located on the top of the head of the robot, so that way um, it'll be able to access any kind of sound that's coming from any direction easily. Um, another thing that we're going to have is the stereoscopic vision on the robot, as well as um, LiDAR to be able to get spatial recognition. And the last item is going to be the tactile array on the finger, hand, and arm. So those are some of the um, quick highlights of the avatar system that we're going to um, have on our robot. Really the ultimate goal of what we're trying to achieve here is to get a robot that everyone can afford. Um, so our main standout that we feel is the low-cost solutions that we're coming up with. It's going to be great for humans who have some disabilities that the robot will be able to uh, accommodate certain things like vision. Um, but for what we're thinking of is that the video and the touch will allow the robot to adapt to any of the human senses that we already have. Um, another key point is this will allow the operator to remotely articulate an object, to actually touch and feel the weight of something and the, the texture of something. Um, very important if you're not able to be in the environment yourself. Um, so just in general, what we think it is to be present, it means to feel a part of something bigger than just your self-awareness. Um, and another part of that is that you can embody the robot like you were physically there through the sensor feedback. Um, all of this is going to be really cool when we get up and running uh, and start really feeling another environment um, other than just like video games that we're experiencing right now. 
Well, hopefully you enjoyed our little tidbit. Again, it's Kate with Forge Droids in Tempe, Arizona. Bye. Thanks for listening to this Future Positive podcast. If you'd like to support our show, share this episode with fellow futurists and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Your feedback really does help. If you want to know more about the ANA Avatar XPRIZE, head over to avatar.xprize.org where you can learn more about the world-changing possibilities of Avatar technology. This podcast comes from XPRIZE, a global future-positive movement of over 1 million people and rising, delivering radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity. Sign up to join us and support the movement that is making a change in the world 10 times faster. Whether it's lending a hand, a dollar, or an idea, we all have a role to play in making the future a better place. Learn more at xprize.org. See you next week. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.